we're gonna do something a little different. We've been, we've been, um, you know, I don't know, praying through, thinking through, talking through how God's been moving in everyone's lives. How we, we believe He's moving. I believe He's moving in my life, but I am not special. I believe He's moving in your life, and I believe that part of your being here today is maybe His movement in your life. I mean, there's something going on in your life, and I hope you're paying attention to it. We talk about it all the time. And this morning we have a special treat. We're gonna have somebody come up and share a few minutes of some experiences. And maybe it's maybe it's mundane, maybe it's amazing. But we're going to have, uh, Rick Scoggins came this, well, yesterday, I guess, and said, man, I had this great experience. And I just wanted to encourage people with it. And uh, we're excited to have you share it with us. So you want to spend the, give you the mic? Want get a half hour? Half hour. Half hour, no more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank, thank you for that opportunity. I, uh, you know, I, I think all of us, we're all searching how to make God's word relevant and real. And in this culture, this continues to beat that down with all kinds of different philosophies and ideals, and I just had something happen this week, and, and I myself, just like all of, all of you, are, are just learning, you know, how to reveal God to a dying world in an effective way, and, you know, I, I think we're kind of trained at the beginning when we first become Christians that we have to learn the four spiritual laws, and we have to learn how to creatively get into someone's life and recite them, and we're scared, oh, I don't think I can do that, you know, but I, I don't think what I'm learning is that's not what it's about. I, I think it's about us embracing the love of God in our hearts, in our spirit, in our mind. And when we cultivate that in our mind, then it kind of automatically shines through. You know, First Peter, uh, or Second Peter chapter 1 says that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And he's given us that gift of faith. And to that gift of faith, we are to purpose to add to that godliness and brotherly kindness and love and and, and those qualities in increasing measure, and when we do, we're effective. I mean, that just happens automatically. And this last week, you know, I'm always uh, in contact with different people in my business, trying to design things and build things. And I, I had connected through uh, this this person who was a, a printer resource through another guy named Don. Okay, just a connection I'd made. I had not talked to this this printer guy yet, and Don had had leaded, led me to him. Well. It had been about a week or two. I hadn't been able to get back, and Don, um, the, the, my, my connection resource, he emailed me. He says, uh, hey, this, this fellow you're trying to get hold of, hey, his mom just died, and he can't get back, but it's going to be a week or so. Now, in the corporate world at Express, which is where I work, it's very competitive where we have to be on the ball. We have to be performing. If something gets in our way of performing, there's a tendency to you know, to spite it <laughs> and get angry and say, you know, I, I can't let that stop me from reaching my goal, dismiss it and say, okay, well, give me somebody else I can talk to. You know, forget about that guy. Give me something else. But I don't know, I, as I've grown and matured, I just, I just care about people. And I, that struck me when, the, when he said his mom died. I'm like, man, what an awful thing. So I, so I emailed back to Don. I said, you know, hey, that's got to take precedence in this man's life. I don't know him. That's got to take precedence. But I, I, I offered a little prayer in my email. I said, um, may, I, I hope that he knows God Almighty and that through that he will find composure, strength, and, 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 and comfort through that trying time. And I said, I'll be waiting. I'll just wait for him to get back with me. Well, a week later, this gentleman, I didn't intend to communicate to him directly. I communicated to Don, my contact, and apparently he forwarded it. And, and this gentleman finally got back to him and he said, man, he said, I'm a Christian too. And he said, thank you so much for 
displaying your faith and showing some compassion for a complete stranger. You know, he was he was just encouraged by that. Now, I, I'm not asking for anybody. I'm not, I don't want no pat on the back or, hey, let's everybody do what Rick does. I, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> the point is I'm learning myself, just like you, that when we genuinely love people, we love the Lord our God with all our heart, and heart mind, soul, and strength, and then we love others as ourselves, automatically God will use that in ways that we never realize, you know, to touch the life of a person in a trial time or, or, or to encourage someone or to edify or maybe even to give a, a little glimmer of truth so that they understand God's word in a way maybe they didn't before. Hmm. So I, I think we have to be very, very careful when we exemplify Christ and God in our life, what we say, because, you know, that little gesture of mine was just kind of a heartfelt gesture and encouraged someone. At the same time, I could have given more irritable response <laughs> and discourage the man at the same time. In a, I mean, we're all human at the end of the day. So it was just a kind of a blessing. And I just wanted to encourage everyone, you know, don't make witnessing and things too hard. You know, if, if you embrace God in your life, you renew the mind, you live, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. In Romans chapter 12, chapter uh, verse 1 and 2 says, when that happens, you'll automatically show compassion and love for other people. And I think it will come out. God will use that in ways that you never realize. So just wanted to encourage you with that. That's hmm. just an experience that I learned from. So I just hope that maybe you can use that in your life too. Thank you. I'm not sure which there I am. I'm in the right position now. So that was really, this is really cool. And if, if there's ever something going on in your life, we talk about this and we, we tried to do, we tried to do everything we can with all of our time to be as, as, um, honoring to God as we can in our time corporately here and our time in family groups and our time out in the community. And, um, but if there's something you want to share or something that God just revealed laid in your heart, we'd love to talk to you about that. And if you want to share it, don't feel like you're going to have to. But man, that's awesome just to hear because we all know that God's moving all the time, but it's just amazing to hear that story back. Isn't it? Isn't that good news? That's beautiful. Um, so did you guys have a good holiday weekend? We already talked about this a little bit, but did you, did you do anything exciting yesterday? Nobody? That's because that, that's why you're here, isn't it? <laughs> you guys had nothing else to do. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Me too. No, did you do something yesterday? You ate? Man, what a great day of food. Wasn't it a great day of food? <laughs> was it? Man, I, I tell you what. Last night, I was just like literally just laying in bed like, oh, what an amazing day. <laughs> We had a nightcap of Bobby's, so, you know, just for the record, I mean, it, it's pretty perfect. <laughs> uh, it, it, what else do you guys do? Anything else? I see some, like, some little flag, you got a little flag sweater on there. That's kind of nice. Hey, anybody do anything else yesterday? You guys are quiet. What did you do? You braved the weather for fireworks? Did you have bad weather for fireworks? Really? Where did you go? And Alhambra had rain. Should have went to Troy. Did, did we get rain in Troy? I got some sprinkles, but that was it. Yeah, it was beautiful in Troy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey. Hey, you know. Yeah, yesterday is so cool. It's this national holiday, Independence Day. Man, we love Independence Day in this country, you know. It's kind of funny, though. I, I used to do, I had to be, go down south to my grandmother's house for Independence Day, and we'd always have, like, watermelon and a picnic and all that, and we don't have that around here. 
Maybe you did. I didn't have that around here. But, uh, but we had a great day of, of barbecues with friends and swimming parties and, and um, just celebrating. Families get together, you know, and uh, it's just a really, really cool time. And, and um, it always strikes me this time of year. We talk, we, 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 just, we just, you know, we wave flags. I mean, Olivia, at, at her age, we're driving down the street and she's saying, um, what are all the flags for? What are all the flags for? And, and her big brother said, uh, well, it's for the holiday, you know, the 4th of July. Of course it is, right? We don't have a, do we have a 4th of July parade here? I don't think we do, right? Like, I, I thought maybe I missed the memo. Because someone was saying all little towns have 4th of July parades. We don't have one of those. But, but you know, you see those, those imagery, those iconic images of the, the child on the shoulders, the adult, and they're waving the flag. And there's something about our heritage as citizens of the United States of America. Praise God, we're citizens of the United States of America. You know what I mean? And I want to say something to you. You didn't have much to do with your citizenship, probably, did you? I mean, I mean, you were probably just born into it. That's what I was. I was born into it, you know. You know, I was amazed to hear yesterday on the news that, that in Iraq, in our armed forces, if I got this right, there was a, a ceremony where 200 armed force members naturalized themselves as citizens. I was like, what? How does that work? You're fighting for the country before you even are a member of the country. Wow. 200 people yesterday in Iraq in Baghdad had a ceremony and I'm sure it was a bit of a you know, photo op for the politicians and stuff but 200 people earnestly went through the trials and trouble to say yes I'm going to fully commit to this thing called United States of America and yes I want to be part of it and yes it's important to me and as a matter of fact I've been here for a while I'm willing to die for it that's a crazy thing most of us are just born to it right I had a, a friend of mine um, who, um, who raised three boys and her, her two oldest boys kind of went off and did what they wanted to do. And her youngest boy, he, he went into the military. She was a nervous wreck. Oh, my son's going to the military. You know, I, she was just a mess. She was a mess. Uh, and um, so we talked with her a lot about it. And, and she came in after he came back from basic training. And she was just smiling and whistling. And, and I'm like, who are you? She's like, my son came home from basic. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Because, you know, your son's back. And you're like, my baby and all that. And she goes, he's a man. She goes, I don't know what they did to him, but he's a different guy than the guy that left. I was like, what? She's like, he was up. He made me coffee this morning at 6 in the morning. He couldn't get out of bed before noon. You know what she started to say to me? I, I'm, that is a true story. She said, I think service to the military should be compulsory for every person in our country. You should have to go and serve for two or four years. You know, just because if nothing else, it, 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 it gets them off the couch. That's kind of what she was saying about her. She goes, my two oldest ones never did, you know. But this one, boy, he's something else. There's a, there's a serious side, though, to this thing. And I think that as we don't have a voluntary, but we have a professional um, a military, um, they know what they're doing. They know what they're signing up for. They know what they're getting into. And that is life and death. And so I'm always amazed as we, last night we were in Troy, that's where I watched fireworks, and we were watching the fireworks, and I, I forget every year, it's like childbirth, I think, if I was the birth of child, because I forget every year, I sit there and I watch, and I'm excited, you see the sparklers, I'm worried about the sparklers with the kids, and the firecrackers, and it's always nerve-wracking, and then you go to the big professional fireworks display, and you're ready, because now there's no safety issues anymore, which makes it less exciting, but more exciting, you know, and, and you're going to enjoy this, and every time... I'm watching these displays. I'm humbled about what we're celebrating. You know, last night they had a smiley face. And Olivia said, my dreams came true. 
I had dreamt that it was going to be a smiley face. And as I watched the fireworks explode in the air, I couldn't help but think about the men and women who are under explosions that are not nearly as friendly. And isn't it funny that we do this every year? We can forget. We can become totally disconnected from what this is about. The reason they first started setting off, shooting their guns, and setting off the rockets and the explosions in the air is because there was a great battle that was won. There was a great declaration that was made for our country that we'd be a great nation. And every year we gather together and we celebrate. And it's easy to become disjointed and disconnected from what that means. It's easy to forget what it means. And so I, I, every year I experience that, and I just want to share that with you, that I don't know if you do, and, and, and I, I, every time it just shakes me to my core what we're doing on the 4th of July. Praise God, we are members. We are citizens of the United States of America. And I just want to say, by way of that, anyone who has served in the military, we just had Memorial Day, but anyone who has served, it, it's such a tremendous thing. I can't imagine what, what that experience would be if you were a, a man or woman that came out of the service if you're a man or woman serving in Iraq right now, what those fireworks become to me in your life. So I just wanted to start with that because it's just an amazing, amazing thing. And, um, and, 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 and all of this stuff, you know, America right now, we have this great prosperity. I mean, which is, now I know it doesn't feel like that lately, right? But, but we've had it. We've been so blessed. And we've had, and it kind of reminds you of, of days gone by, of, if you're a history buff, of, of great empires. We get accused of that all the time as a country, being imperial. We're not really that imperial. I was, something else I was watching about that. But we are trying to share this thing called democracy with the world at our own, the cost of our own lives, of the lives of our own children. And, um, and I, I started to think about, you know, in our life as we follow God, do, do we ever make up our minds what we want, you know? Do we ever just decide, like, we want it so bad, we're willing to die for it. I don't care what it is. We're going to take it. It's going to be ours, you know. And, um, and we begin to, to, it seems like we're in the middle of this war, and we begin to swing, swing the sword in all directions. Everyone is in the way. And that's the double-headed sword, maybe, with Independence Day. Because at some point, as a country, the United States of America, we can get to a place where we're so radically independent, we don't need anybody for anything. And that would include God himself. As we're cutting the ties to Britain and we're cutting the ties to everyone else, we're cutting the tie and cutting that tie and all of a sudden we start swinging it around and we start to chip and to chisel away at this, this cord, this strand that has tied our forefathers to the great creator, Yahweh. We knew what we were talking about when we started this endeavor. And every hack, every slice of the rope, you know? I, I, it, it reminds me, I don't know if you ever wanted something bad enough, and I talked about this before, I'll tell you about it again. But it seems to be the biblical witnesses, if you demand something long enough from God, if you, if you pull hard enough, if you demand it, if you say, not your will but my will be done, Lord, not your way but my way be done, Lord, eventually the biblical witness says, God says, fine. He says, fine. And in that act of independence, in that act of, of whatever it is, of usurping his authority in our lives, we cut ourselves off from the only thing that truly matters. The only question that's truly worth answering. 
which is that God is and we are not. And we have a tendency to do that. And we don't just do it again in, in, in life as a nation. We do it in our personal lives, in our own lives. I don't need anybody. You need God. I need God. And so we do this. We have a tendency. And I, and I feel like sometimes, this is where we're going to talk today about independence, <laughs> right? Because I feel like in some ways, you know, in, in some ways, we are, we are hanging by a thread, you know? We keep jerking on that rope. Just let us go. Just let us go. Just let us go. And my fear for us, for us as a church and for us as a nation, for us as a world, is eventually God will say, fine. We don't really want that. God knows what's good for us. He knows that he has better things for us than we ever have for ourselves. So today we're going to open a text a little bit and, and let the word of God speak into our lives. I pray you've come here with the heart to worship and to seek and to know. And if you don't know Jesus, you can still know things this morning. God is working through his spirit among us. I'm going to invite you now to pray as we open the word together. Father God, we come today seeking your name, seeking your face, and seeking your will in our lives. We pray today, Lord, you would have us in this time, that you would have your spirit dwell richly here, that we would be convicted of mind, convicted of heart, convicted of actions, Father God, that we could be compelled to do your work, that we would be drawn near to you, near to the hope we find in you, and that we would, we would be bound to you, Father God, that you would bind us up. We love you and thank you. We praise you for your word. We pray it will be open to us this hour. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to work from the book of Romans today. So if you, if you brought your Bible, uh, it's going to be Romans 1. We're going to start right there. And if you didn't, uh, ours is page 781, one of our pretty Bibles that are in the, in the chairs there. And... Um, we're just going to kind of go through here, and I just want to, you know, I want to say something by way of a, almost an apology. You know, I, I, we, we knew the direction for this independence thing, and God's been doing some things, some amazing things for a long time with this preparation for this day in particular, and yet I kept finding myself drawn back to this text in Romans, and, and I want to let you know that one of the things that we've been doing is doing a Bible study over the summer in Romans, and so I felt like, well, this is just me cheating, you know what I mean? This is, of course, you want to preach Romans. You've been, you've been studying it every week, but the truth is that I, I kept prayerfully coming back and thinking, man, this is where we are. This is us. He's nailed us again. And, and I, I pray that he would use this text this morning to, uh, to draw us to where we need to be by the end of this time together today. But this is what it says. It's starting in verse 18 of the book of Romans. And this is what it says. It says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory for the immortal, of the immortal God for the images made to look like mortal man, birds, animals, and reptiles. And, 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 and as we come into the text, and if you want, you could back up and read it. Man, it comes kind of out of the gate. Paul's writing this letter to this great, this church in this great empire. This empire of Rome. And there's this church there that's been there for a while. And he's writing this. He's not visited them in person, but he's heard some things that are happening and he wants to call them 
to repentance. And this is the letter he writes. And he says here that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of the world, right? And, and if you can imagine, have you ever heard of like a Roman bath or something? Or I mean, Rome was decadent, man. If you think like MTV Cribs or something, you know, you should have seen Rome 2,000 years ago. I mean, it was it. Was it. it was Mecca. It was, they had running water, <laughs> you know? I mean, it was everything. Everything they could ever want except for a right relationship with God. They had lots of gods, but not a right relationship with him. And Paul writes, it says, the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, I don't want you to get too hopeless yet because we're going to get there, okay? But we have to take the journey together. It says, the wrath is being revealed because of their wickedness. They're suppressing the truth with their wickedness, right? Since what we made may be known about God is plain. And I want you to hear that this morning, that, that we have these conversations, and Rick talked earlier about it's not complicated to witness to somebody. That's absolutely true. We live out of the joy we find in Christ. We live in that place, and people are, are, are they experience that through us, and they go, what is that? I did that. There are people I couldn't explain before I was a believer. I couldn't explain it, right? And, and, and yet, um, here we see them. It says their truth, their witness, because God has made it plain to them. In other words, we have these conversations all the time. We say, yeah, well, what about so-and-so? They, they don't really know. You know what? God has revealed enough truth to you that you know some things. This is what Paul says they are. The creation of the world has manifested his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. And we're going to start here because we started here and we keep starting here because God wants us to learn this. His eternal power and his divine nature, right? It means he can do it, and it means that he is God. We have to start all our relationships there with God. You are God and we are not. You are God and we are not. That might sound really simple, but you know what? In our prayer life, in our life, day in and day out, we find ourselves too often on the time of giving orders to God, don't we? Let me tell you what you need to do, Lord. I'll tell you the solution to this problem, Father. Listen to me now. I've been watching it here on the ground. I know you're a little out of touch. Let me tell you what's really going on. The commander-in-chief knows what's going on. We should be listening to him, not giving him commands. Listen to what it says. His two qualities, his invisible qualities were eternal power, dunamis, that means like dynamite, you know what I'm saying? It's this power. It's not like a passive power. It's the power of God. He is eternally powerful, powerful today, powerful yesterday, powerful tomorrow. God does redeeming work through time. This is what it says, in his divine nature, he is God. It's who he is, and it's who we're not. Now, why this is important is because Paul's saying, here's the problem, Rome. Here's the problem with Rome. And you're seeing it manifest all around you is they're denying these two fundamental truths about God, that he's eternally powerful and that he is God. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, and I want to walk a fine line this morning here, but I want to tell you that our country is on the line. We are on the line denying those two fundamental things revealed to everyone. We don't just want to talk about specific, you know, we talk about tolerance and this and that. We'll talk about just get God out of the picture and we'll all be fine. Let me tell you, that road is a road to destruction. It's a road to destruction. Listen to what the word says. Having been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. That means, I'm sorry, if your, your neighbor next door is just the sweetest person, they know enough of the truth to be without excuse. That's what the Word says. They know enough. And you know what? The question ain't about them anyway, is it? That's about us. Let me tell you something. 
you know enough to be without excuse that you are not God. Here's what it says in verse 21. And I want you to see the timeline here. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened, right? So here we go. So you have these two things, eternal power and divine nature, right? They're made known to everyone. There's no excuses. And then he gets into this, the sinfulness of man. This is what we call the brokenness of man. Uh, you know, sin sometimes has these trappings. That you go, you know, or, you know, hypocritical, whatever. Man, sin of those things that we do just ain't right. I mean, they could be like 98% right, but they're still wrong. You know what I mean? That's sin. They could be 100% wrong, and they're still wrong. That's sin. You know, anything that we are doing that is not completely right with God is sinful. And therefore, it's a very high mark, a very high standard for us to meet. And this is what he says, because although they knew God, that means they knew him, past tense, they knew God. They had the truth in their hearts. They were without excuse. Although that was the case, they neither glorified him as God, nor they gave thanks to him. And their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Do you hear what it said? And you know what? This is good news. Because it means that all you got to do is keep thanking God and acknowledging that you're not. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, some of the stuff we do as Christians, it seems kind of trivial when people talk to me, they go, that's kind of silly, isn't it? Why do you guys do that? We talk about uh, prayer around the dinner table. You know, we pray a lot when we eat. We pray every time we eat, you know. Sometimes we get busted like mid-bite, you know. And somebody goes, usually the, one of the kids will say, we didn't pray. And I'll look around real quick, make sure nobody from the church is there. Oh, whew. Okay. Let's pray, guys. No, I'm kidding, you know, because some people said, well, I don't want to pray. I don't want to make a spectacle of my faith. Don't, I'm not going to sit in the cafeteria at work and pray. I want to tell you something. It is more important that you take a moment to give thanks to God, and it's all about you and him and what you're doing in your relationship. It ain't about a show. Let's don't go in there and, you know, you know in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Lord, bless this meal that I'm about to receive. I mean, I was born and raised Roman Catholic. I can pray. I'm telling you, though, it's about making sure that in that moment you're receiving the bounty of the earth, this blessing that you did not deserve, you say, thanks, God. Whew. Thank you for giving this to me today. That's what it says right there. They neither glorified him as God. They did not give him glory as God, nor they thanked him as God. But their thinking became futile, purposeless, and their foolish hearts were darkened, right? And here they go down the path. I want you to see the process that happens here with their sinful behavior. Although they, they claim to be wise. Now here we go. Listen. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. They exchanged the image of the... Where is it at? I've got to find it again. The glory of the immortal God for images in his place. You know what this is? This is, this is a shortcut. This is, this is, instead of being transformed into the image of God, instead of being transformed, they've just swapped it out. They just changed it up. It's a word kind of like transformation, only it cheats a little bit, you know? It's close enough. It's like Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom when he swaps out the statue for the gold bag, you know what I'm saying? Real quick, and then we start to worship this other thing. And God starts to float off. And I don't care what it is, and I don't care how good it is, if it ain't God, it ain't worth worshiping. You know what I'm saying? I don't care what it is, and I don't care how good it is, if it ain't God, it ain't worth worshiping. It ain't worth holding on to. It ain't worth dying for. And yet we do it every day. We do it every day. 
they exchanged the glory of the immortal God. This is what they did. Now, I love the language here because we can, we can preach this, can't we? You know what I'm saying? Here we go. Because look at it. The world is in trouble. You know, that's what Paul's saying. They're in trouble, folks. And we're in Rome. We're going, yeah, man, they're in trouble. Listen to what he says. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Paul says there, you know, it says, He exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts, you know. And there it is. That's what I was talking about earlier. If you want it long enough, if you desire it long enough, can I talk to you for a minute? Can I talk to you for a minute about how sin manifests itself in our life? It ain't all of a sudden we made a big mistake and oh my gosh, how this happened. It's the little bitty thing that starts it out, isn't it? It's a little bitty thing that's a sinful desire in our heart and we just play with it. We just go, oh, it's kind of cute, you know? This won't hurt nothing. And we just kind of follow that path and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it's death and destroys everything. The book of James records the progression. It says here that God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts. Specifically, he says, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. You know, it was a good thing when God had control of it. Sexuality, it's a beautiful thing. As a matter of fact, I want to remember, because we're going to go into some text here, but I want to remember, where did it come from? Does anybody remember? Biblically, where does it come from? The Garden of Eden. Do you remember what it said? It's not good that man be alone. Leave me alone for like a week and a half and you'll figure that out yourself. You know, it's not good. Bad stuff happens, you know. It's not good. And so God said, let me, let me make a helper. Let me make a completer. Let me make, let me make his other half. Let me make the better half. That's what we say, isn't it? And somehow in this great blessing, we have the fulfillment of covenant promises with God. He says, I'm not alone. You're not alone. Everyone has a mate. Everyone has a partner. And man, it's beautiful. We've been there. You know, if you've ever been in love, man, you've been there. Woo, it's great stuff. It's terrifying stuff. It's great stuff. And here you can see when Paul writes, he says, they've exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and God has given them over in their simple desires of their heart to sexual impurity and degrading their bodies. This means it was a very good thing that people, and you and I, brothers and sisters, still do it, bend to our own sinfulness. God says, look at this, it's so good, it's so pure, it's so beautiful. And we just bend it. We just warp it and deform it because we can't stop in our hearts. We go, it'd be cooler if it was like this. I know you're God, but man, it'd be cooler if it were like this. And we sell out and we shortchange and we don't transform. We don't conform. We swap gods. See what's happening in the text? We begin to worship here it comes. We're not even there yet. Listen to what it's going to say. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they served the created things rather than the creator. Right? So they claimed to be wise. We got it all figured out, but they became fools. You see the, the, the progression here? And they, 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 they exchanged the glory of God for the images made like him, and they exchanged truth for a lie, and they began to worship the things that were created instead of the creator. Now you might say to me, well, there's, that's not a problem. Like, who's that stupid? Who could, who could ever start to worship created things instead of the creator, you know? Like, who does that? But here's the problem. We all do it. If we're not constantly on guard against a, a glorifying God and thanking Him 
for what he's provided, we can all do it. We can all start to hold the things up. And the things like we talked about before, you know, the things can be anything from like a, uh, stuff, which is easy. Stuff is easy. You know, I thought that was really it. Man, it's like everything else. We hold it up higher than God, you know. Uh, it's really the, the interpersonal things, you know. God wants me to have this. God wants me to have this. God. I'll tell you a, a quick story. I, I have a friend of mine who is um, pastoring a church, and he preached a sermon one time, and after the sermon, somebody came and they said, praise God, brother. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Praise God. God gave me an answer today to your sermon. He says, well, what's that? He says, I finally figured it out. I'm supposed to leave my wife and Go with my girlfriend. No. You know what I mean? Exchanging the truth for a lie. Swapping out what God desires, what you desire, we can convince ourselves. It says the, the way of man seems right to him. Doesn't that what the word says? We can convince ourselves. Listen, this is what it says. Because of this, he gave them over. Verse 26, let's read it together. Created things that are creator. We got to hear this stuff today. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Isn't that right? Shameful lust, mind you, the first thing when... Adam and Eve sinned. They realized they were shameful. They were ashamed, right? Shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another, for each other. That's what it says there. And men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves a due penalty for their perversion. You see? Right there, they turn it, and it says that they, that, and you know what's crazy, and we're going to get there, but what's crazy is these, these lusts aren't even shameful anymore. It's like, it's like water cooler talk. You know what I mean? There's nothing about it. There's no shame. I'm proud. Are you proud? And I'm not just talking about exchanging a uh, right relationship with a woman or a man for one of your own gender. I'm talking about right, you know, having a conversation about another woman when you're married. So I have a conversation with the girlfriends about, you, about a man that you think is really cute. We're proud of it. It's kind of fun, ain't it? Man, what are we doing? We're just jerking on the rope. Let us go. Let us go. We've got to figure it out. So God gave them over to their shameful lusts. Verse 28. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile, look at what he says again, to retain this knowledge of God, he gave them over to the depraved mind to do what, not ought, what ought not to be done, right? And here he goes, they've become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. And, and we're going to go here, but before we get into it, you know, it, this is a progressive disease. You see what I'm saying? We think that that's the main thing. We think, man, look, you know, those people are crazy. Look what they're doing. They're not even ashamed of it, you know. And here goes Paul through the list of what happens when you lose the knowledge of God, when you don't retain it in your life, when you fail to acknowledge that he is God and you are not, and he can do anything he desires. All powerful for eternity, right? This is what it says. They did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. He gave them over to a depraved mind and to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, but they approve of those who practice them. All of a sudden, you know, we can spit those words out, can't we? I mean, come on, church. 
We can preach about sin out there, can't we? And you start to go down that list and you start to go, oh, wait. No, that's, that's close, man. The wicked, every kind of greed. Oh, depravity. They're full of envy and murder and strife and deceit and malice. Whew. Starts to sound like us. They're gossips and slanderers. Did you hear the text today? They're God-haters. They're insolent, and they're arrogant, and they're boastful. Man, Paul tries to cut close to the root. It's my favorite one. <laughs> they invent ways of doing evil. <laughs> Paul says, there's stuff they ain't even thought up yet that these characters are out there doing. Do you ever do that, you know? You just get yourself in a pickle and you just keep digging the hole. You don't even know what's happening anymore. You're just making stuff up. God's like, fail, 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 you know? You're just like, hang on a minute, I'm gonna get it figured out. Meanwhile, you're jerking on the rope. Just let go, you know? They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. That's pretty mundane, isn't it? Come on, God. Go from exchanging right relationship with one another sexually to disobeying your parents. senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Oh, they knew God's righteous decree. Listen to what it says. And those who do such things deserve death. They know it. There's no excuse. They not only keep doing them, listen church, but they approve of those who do. You see what happens there? It ain't just even about you and them. You know, the whole conversation till now, you know, I love what Paul does here. He's telling us the they rally, you know. You know them people, yeah. Those people, yeah. And all of a sudden he says, and those who approve of the practices, those who would even stand by and watch idly are guilty. What? Read with me. Verse, chapter 2, verse 1. You, Roman Christians, you, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else. Because at whatever point you've judged the other, you condemn yourself. Because you who pass judgment are doing those same things. Whether you're doing them or whether you're approving of them, it's just as bad. You have no excuse, he says. Jump down to verse 5. Because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you, you listen to what it says, are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath and his righteous judgment will be revealed. Huh. Now all of a sudden, we're all in the same boat, aren't we? You know, now all of a sudden, the people of God, I want to tell you something. This was written to the community of Gentiles and Jews. And the text is going to go on and talk about the Jew and Gentile disconnect, the, the, the burdens, the, the who's the real Jew, who's the real Christian, what's it really mean? But here he lays it out and he says, listen, folks, you're all in the same boat. You're all in the same boat. The people of God standing by while the whole world goes to hell. It's a convicting word. The stubbornness of your unrepentant heart, the wrath is being stored up. 
right? I want to, we're going to wrap here with a couple of verses, a couple of texts, and I want you to go with me because we're going to ask you to do something a little unusual today. But this is what I want to do. Who is the you is written to? I want you to see some things here at the beginning of the text. And I, I, we're going to go back to the, the, the opening chapter of uh, Romans, just maybe back a page to find where your Bible is configured. First of all, we know that the letter is written by Paul, and Paul says this about himself, I'm an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he uh, promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures regarding his son, who as his human nature was descent of David, a descendant of David, and who the spirit, through the spirit of holiness was declared with the power, with power, dunamis, to be the son of God by his resurrection from the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So Paul wrote the letter to the church, Right? He wrote it to Jews and Gentiles alike. He wrote it to everybody. That means all of us that are here today, too. But Paul was one who was sent, who was called, it says there. Paul, uh, a servant, called to be an apostle. It means he heard the voice. He was called to respond to it. It says that he's come to profess a gospel about this Jesus of Nazareth, this Jesus the Christ, who through great power and glory God raised from the dead so that everyone might know that he is God. That's our claim today, 2,000 years later. Our power is found in Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead. That the world might know that he has power, the ability for all eternity. Through him and for his namesake, the text says, we receive grace and apostleship. Listen to what it says, to call people from among all Gentiles to obedience that comes through faith. And you are also among those who are called to be of Jesus Christ. So he starts this letter out, the you, the you that says you are without excuse. It's the same you that are called to be apostles of Jesus Christ. It's you. It's me. It's us. The text is to us. One more line. Verse 7. The letter is to everyone in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. And you know in those two things we can hold, hang all the promises in the world. On those two facts we can hang all the promises of the world that we are loved by God and we're called to be saints. And you say, well, you know what? I'm not there yet, man. I'm not perfect. And how can I ever help? If I'm not perfect, I got the thing. I got to, you know what? You are loved by God and you're called to be a saint. And in this calling, you can respond in this world. And instead of standing idly by, letting the wrath store up from heaven, you can actually have an impact. Rick shared this earlier, in little ways and big, for his glory. A couple of texts. Uh, you know, this, this, this whole thing about, um, I'm going to pop this up here in case you want to turn to it. This whole thing about uh, uh, giving over. You know, I said it three times in there. God gave them over. God gave them over. God gave them over. So if you look at the text, it goes this way. You have no excuse, and eventually God gave them over to what they really wanted, the way they really wanted it. Listen to what this text says. Psalm 81, 8 through 16 says this. I'm just going to read it. I'm not going to talk about it a lot. I just want you to hear it today. Hear, O my people, and I will warn you. If you would but listen to me, O Israel, you shall have no foreign God among you. You shall not bow down to any alien God. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth, and I will fill it. But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow after their own devices. If my people would but listen to me, if Israel would but follow my ways, how quickly would I subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him and their punishment would last forever. But you would be fed with the finest of wheat 
and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you and the last text is this and it's from it's from uh, you can turn it if you want it's one verse and, and this is what we're going to do our response time today I hope you've heard some things this morning that has convicted you because I've been convicted all week about it I hope that there's something in the text today that's, that's, that's spurring you that's causing you to want to respond to not store up wrath to not stand aside to not be idly by listen to what it says speaking to his people Israel in verse 7 of the book of Chronicles which is a history book right these are just history books Verse 14 says this, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I would hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. If my people would but call, who are called by my name would only humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from wickedness, I would hear, forgive and heal you know today is not just any Sunday we're not the only church that felt this kind of dichotomy of yesterday celebrating how independent we are how fiercely independent we are and then today come into a sanctuary where we cry out to Abba Father Yahweh Jesus as the only one that matters as the only one that we need we're not completely independent we're completely dependent on him and churches all across the country today are going to spend a few minutes praying, praying for our nation, praying for the people of Jesus Christ, praying for the world. And so I'm going to invite you today as you feel compelled to come forward. We're going to spend some time in prayer this morning. And we're just going to pray that way. We're not going to, it's not a show. You don't have to say certain words. You can pray out loud. You can pray silently. You can pray if you want to dance and pray. You can dance and pray. If you want to kneel and pray, you can kneel and pray. But we're going to take five minutes and set it aside. And we're going to turn to the Creator God and repent. Seek Him and wait for His healing for our land. So if, as you feel compelled today, as you've been moved today, I would invite you to come forward and pray with us. Let's start by praying together. Father God, we give you praise and glory today for your word, and we, we claim it as true. We, it's not just a book, it's the absolute truth. And today, Father God, uh, I pray that your spirit would move us, that we would, our heart would rip and tear for what breaks your heart. And we would be opened and poured out, Lord, that we could come and just join with you in, in praying, and caring for the things you care about. Just thank you for your conviction of your word today already, for the work you're going to do. In Jesus' name.